welcome to episode 16 of Running Matters. I'm joined by my co-host, Paul Hadfield. Welcome, Hattie. How are you going? Good, mate. Thanks for having me again, Wolf. It's always a pleasure. A couple of beers and talking about running. What else would you rather be doing? That's right. Got the Ks done for the week, so we've earned ourselves a couple of beers. I think particularly you, mate. You've uh, joined the 100 Miler Club. How does it feel? Tired. <laughs> we inspired by Steve Redfern's interviews. Just why 100 miles this week? I think, um, yeah, I, th- I was certainly motivated by his stuff. You know, like he's pretty impressive. Um, it was motivating. It's been that that 160 k's this week. It's been on the program for a while, so that was the plan to sort of crack that before six foot. And we're four, four weeks away, so now I'm just going to start easing back. It's going to be a, a taper for the next four weeks, a slow taper. So that was always the plan, mate, volume. So and that's uh, that's the biggest week, 160K? Yeah, it's the yeah. biggest week. Yeah, so I look, I, I haven't written out the next four weeks, but it's definitely going to come down 140, 120, 100, probably 80 in the in the last week. That's the plan, I guess. Yeah, good. Yeah. Any, any rest days during that 160? Um, yeah, I had the Monday off wow. the first day of the week. Okay. Yeah. And no double ups? No double ups. Single no. sessions? Or singles. So. And what about workouts or sessions during that week? Long, slow stuff? Or? Um, so, hill repeats. Yeah, um, session. <laughs> hill repeats and then uh, did a tempo in the middle of a 30K. So, I think I did one minute on, one minute off. 20 times in the middle of a 30k and that was about it I didn't want to overdo it you know no. and and people may not consider that tempo anyway but it's, that's for me that's just chucking in a bit of speed work um well, you know t- tempo is wherever your heart rate is though so that's that counts yeah so your heart rate's up when you're running quicker so minute on well i only feel like half a runner or half a man i guess this week i'm only just over the 80ks a couple of rest days or three rest days in there Little niggle in the hip, being a bigger dog, seem to get a few when the K's get a bit higher. So yeah, bit of a crazy week this week. 30 K's this morning along Carrington, it was delightful. The first cool day in Sydney in about six months, I reckon. And uh, a good mate of the show, Brad Glennon, was very pleased for the lack of sweat. He was uh, he was on fire this morning. I think everyone was pleased from his lack of sweat. <laughs> Looks like he's been for a swim a lot yeah. when, he, when he's out there in Carrington, but today it was pleasantly surprising. Yeah, yeah. he gets funky, and it's not. <laughs> that's not a compliment. Uh, anyway, say hi to Brad. Yeah, shout out to Brad. Shout out to our sound audio guy, Jimmy, who's always working behind the scenes. Thanks, Jimmy, for all your help. Legendary. Um, mate, big show, Eloise Wellings coming yeah. up. This is huge. Massive. I think that's uh, counted three Olympians in fifteen episodes. That's not a bad ratio. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. So we're up to episode sixteen. We've got three Olympians in um, Eloise, Peter Hadfield, and Lloydie, Andrew Lloyd. Andrew Lloyd. And Go back and listen to those uh, those archived ones. Yeah. Yeah, and skip over all the drunken ones. That's what, that's what I reckon. That's my recommendation. Yeah, it's probably uh, probably better to get rid of those. Yeah, no way. <laughs> Respect your roots, I say. But, um, yeah, if you're a new listener and you're thinking, where where do I go from here, look up the, uh, look up the, uh, the list of uh, 
ex-Olympians and good good names, the professionals, and listen to those podcasts first. And there's some respectability there. And if, if you're desperate, then scroll through the uh, back catalogue. It's, uh, <laughs> it's worth it. Yeah, it's worth it. But Eloise was a cracking interview. She was great. Great to chat to. Amazing story. She's been everywhere, done it all. Two Olympics, four Commonwealth Games. Yeah. Spectacular. Yeah. And I was just thinking a personal story, like her journey mm. that she shares with us uh, is incredible. So I think we're going to get a lot out of it. Yeah. I actually I had a nice bath yesterday with the kids. She's talk- yeah, she talked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time- <laughs> timed up because she's talking about ice baths. So, all right, we're gonna we're gonna do a we're gonna do a timed ice bath. How long did you last? Well, I- Daisy went in first and just looked at me and goes, "It's all gonna melt. I'm just I'm staying in here." This is nothing. This is nothing. She, she just stayed in there and just looked at me and. She's the hardest person in your family. By far. So <laughs> I'm going to go and buy three bags today. You're going to go to Savo as well. I'm going to do it again. I'm just going to keep, I'm going to double the amount of ice until she cracks. <laughs> until she cracks? So well, it's physiologically beneficial to you. It's a bit of both, I think. But <laughs> it's, um, it's, you know, it's embarrassing to be, uh, to be outdone by your daughter who's 11 <laughs> in a nice challenge. Well, it's only going to get worse, I guess, isn't it? Mm. Scrap in, get used to it. That's right, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Should we chat about our sponsors again? Yeah, well, we've got to talk about our sponsors or partners, Filter Brewing. So uh, I'm excited about um, trialling their lager, which we've got today. We're going to crack that shortly and give it a little sample. It's the last piece in the puzzle for me. <clears throat> this is my, uh, I think it's my fifth Fifth type of filter? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Is that all of them? Five? Well, there's four. Four? Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know what, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what you've had. <laughs> this is why I haven't been running so much yeah. through the week. Yeah, yeah. There's been other things on my mind. Yeah, well, well it's a technicality. That They've got a fifth, they've got this, uh, they've got a black beer, but it's, it's one of those things, it's on the on the dark web it's hard to get your hands on so i'm a fan yeah the black yeah yeah we've got to um we've got to get i've put my order in for uh the, the next filter brew comes in uh, or delivery comes in two weeks so i'm excited about that mm. and so i'm um i'm gonna request some dark beer to, to get delivered for that as well good uh goo energy so we're um we're giving another box away with the eloise uh, interview so stand by uh, you'll hear about the competition and obviously we'll put it on our facebook page running matters and also guy me allied health apparently they can help people with hip injuries yep been getting a treatment this week from my business partner matt he's been doing some magic uh, it's come good real quick can't have been too dramatic but uh yeah he does a good job uh, just running next door and grab a quick treatment and i'm good to go Nice. But yeah, looking out for all those runners getting ready, coming and see us. Ten percent for Running Matters podcast listeners. Nice. Just let us know. Yeah, a lot of people ready for six four to be on the brink of that make or break. Just getting ready for Taper Town. Taper Town. I'm looking forward to it. I can tell you. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, upcoming events. We've got uh, the Jabalani Challenge. It's a trail race in the Karingai National Park, which is just sort of north of Sydney. We, um, I went and did it with a couple of guys, rookie Alan Gav last year, did the 22. Uh, it's a great race. It's on the 6th of April. Uh, they've got a 12K, a 22K, 
and a 45k. So I'd recommend that. Mm. It's um, you can just go. You know, you, it's a day trip, you know, or a morning trip. I'd recommend that. That's Jabalani. Um, and then the other event I was going to mention is the Canberra Marathon for any road runners that might be listening. Stu Rennie. Do you reckon we get a few road runners listening? Well, Stu. Stu's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fan of the show. He's the only one I could think of. Brad Land, is he a. Brad Glennon. Yeah, 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 is he, yeah he's, he's, a, he's a roadie. Yeah, he's a roadie. He's got like a 76 minute half marathon time, which. He'll tell you yep. if you ask him, or if you don't ask him, he'll probably tell you. Anyway. He'll tell you over yeah. the, over sweat. Well, Eloise, you know, she's no trail trail monkey. She's, no, she's a gun on the road. Yeah, and on the track. Yeah, there you go. That's three people. Yeah, and she's a long time listener. Yeah, <laughs> she sounded like she was. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the Canberra Marathon on the Saturday. They've got Saturday the thirteenth of April. They've got a five k and a ten k, and then on the Sunday, there's a Sunday the 14th of April, they've got a 21K, they've got the marathon, and then they've got a 50K for those people that can't suffer enough in the marathon and want to do another 8Ks and tip over the edge. So, Canberra Marathon Festival, there's a bit going on there. Do you reckon you do the 50K? Like, surely you get the 42.2 and you're like, that's the achievement. Extra 7.8, it's a bit of an egg and spoon race. Yeah. I couldn't agree more, and I like that term too. Yeah, I mean, 50k on the track with some, or trail, I should say, with something useful seems a bit worthwhile. But 50k on the road when you're just doing a little bit extra past the marathon. Yeah. Don't know. It's it's a fool's gold. Yeah. It'd be a horrible 7.8k as well, knowing that you could have stopped and still been a marathon runner. Must be a qualifier. Do you reckon it's a qualifier for something? For insanity. Mm. That's all qualifies you for. Yeah. Nah, not for me. No. Marathon Monday. And what about the Rafferty's thing? Is that yes. part of the Jabalani Rafferty's Coastal Classic? Yeah. So triple Crown? The, tr- the triple cha- is it the Triple Challenge? Triple Crown? Am I wrong? Is that a surfing thing? I don't know. Anyway, I think Oppo's going to have a crack at that. Really? Speaking of egg and spoon races. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's going for the jacket. Okay. Yeah. Well, Al could probably lend him six of them. He's, Al's a small guy. He's Al, small jacket. Yeah, maybe just put a sleeve. One sleeve. Anyway, I'm, I'm not going to do that one because there's six foot track to recover from and then... Too soon, you're... Ultra trail, maybe. But it sounds good. Good trails up there. Wait a second, I didn't think you were doing ultra trail. Just the 22k. Oh, yeah. Jobby. You'd fit that in. <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm no Steve Redfern. I've taken a long time. I saw that trampolining's made you soft. Yeah. All right, so that's the uh, Canberra Marathon. Also, uh, the Royal Double Ultra. So new dates, we've had to bring it forward a week. So Saturday 29th of June and Sunday the 30th of June. So, so why did you have to bring it forward? It was an insurance thing. So we're... Sanctioned and insured through Triathlon Australia. Yep. And they basically said that after the 30th of June, their contract with their insurance company runs out. Oh, right. So they can't do anything in the next financial year. Okay. So it was either wait or bring it forward a week mm. and get it done. And, you know, with all the logistics, I said, let's just get it done. Yeah, fantastic. I don't know. I don't want it to be like the fire festival. <laughs> oh, you saw that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fyre. Yeah. 
Mate, that was amazing. Yeah. What a bunch of muppets. Yeah. So that it's on Netflix, documentary on Netflix. Yeah, check out the Fire Festival on Netflix. It's hilarious. Just rich white kids getting ruined. Yeah. Fantastic show. Awesome. How not to have an event. Well, anyway, I'm, I'm getting pumped for the 50K, two 50Ks in two days. Is that you? Are you committing? Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> Anything Brennan Davies and Steve Redfern sign up for, I'm in too. Awesome. Jump on the bandwagon. Yeah. So, um, just a little waiver. There will not be a case of filter for everyone that participates. <laughs> just a winner, right? Just a winter. Just a winner will get a case of filter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. But but we'll have beers, like cold beers, at the end of the race for everyone. Yeah. Of course. And Goo's on board. Goo's will be out on the course. We'll have... Guy Morello Health are bringing some massage therapists along, so... There's definitely massage happening. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's going to be huge. It's going to be good. And it's a charity event, Mm. so... Steve Walters. Steve Walters Children's Cancer Foundation, so it's a good cause, and we'll keep the cost down... So that'd be great. Fantastic, mate. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be good. Is it uh, too soon to go to a listener question? No, no, no. I've been getting a few of these. Mm. The, uh, they keep coming in. The social media's been running hot. We've got one um, from Sarah Tapp, actually, who I have run before. Very good runner. Um, and she says, uh, I seem to be running a hell of a lot faster than my husband. Should I slow down or get myself a new husband? What do you think, Wolf? Shop around. Yeah. I, yeah I, Don't slow down. No, no, no. no. I, the priority should be running. So shop around, I would um, I would just move on. Yeah. Take the kids with you. Um, find a new partner. Well, you got to make sacrifices to be good at this running game, I suppose, and that's just the next sacrifice in the line. Yeah. Yeah. It's a no-brainer. It's like eating well and getting enough sleep, you know. Yeah. It's an, yeah. Well, if you're an ultra runner, you're selfish anyway. That's right. Yeah. Well, so are you. Yeah. So, so are you daily. Yeah. <laughs> we never call ourselves selfish. <laughs> anyway, thanks for the question, thanks. Sarah. Yeah, I think we've, we're we on agreement there, which is unusual, but <laughs> just move on. Hubby doesn't have it. Um, I'll you, just... Why would you run? Who runs with their partner? Why would you run with your partner? That's foolish. Yeah, look, I reckon I've run with Beck less than a half a dozen times, four or five times, and it, it ended up in a fight half of those times. And I was just whistling away, singing while she was, you know, sweating like a mongrel, and it just turned bad quickly. I don't recommend it at all. Anyway, she's she's she keeps off the trails now. Bet she does. Leads me to my own devices. Yeah. How's the uh, the filter lager? Yeah. So we've just started on the filter lager. That's delightful. Superb. Danny Tool, he knows his business. Yeah, Danny Tool said, get you the lagers the, the pick, the pick of the four. Yep. And he's not wrong. This no. is a good beer. Superb. Mm. Thanks, filter. This is really nice. What else we got? Uh, Steve Redfern. So, we, oh, yeah. yeah. So we did a um, a podcast with him last week, and it was awesome. Great guy, um, and he's gone out and smashed a hundred k's yesterday, last night. Started at three a.m. Yep. Finished at ten p.m. So just 
That's correct, what you're hearing there. Started at 3 a.m., started running at 3 a.m. in the mountains and finished at 10 p.m. that night. Do you want to go into the details where we ran? Yeah, so I, I checked it out on Strava today. So it was Kanangra to Katoomba and then back to Kanangra. So it's 95-something Ks, 96 maybe, and about 5.5 Ks, 550 worth of elevation. Elevation, yeah. And rough, rough hiking track in the Blue Mountains. So to be able to knock that out in under 19 hours is incredible. So Steve Redfern and another guy, Ewan Horsberg, I think is his name. Um, so they ran together, a bit of a safety thing, but he's a bit of a gun as well. Mm. And knocked out what they call the fastest known time, FKT, for the... K to K to K. So a lot of people do the Kanangra to Katoomba in, in a day. They call it the K to K in a day, and it's a bit of a thing for hikers. But they've gone to Katoomba and then returned in what I guess you could call a day, which is just unbelievable. They are, they are moving and self-supported too, hey? Like, you know, they're carrying all their gear the whole way for 19 hours. So a bit of weight on the back. I assume they were drinking from streams up there. But um, it's a fair bit of food and safety gear and stuff. So, well played, Steve. Yes. Yeah. That's another one, mate. Another record. Yeah. Five and a half thousand metres of elevation. In under That's, 100k. I That's... mean, if you, you if you do 3,000 in a week, that's that's good. It's a pretty good week. Yeah. yeah. You do five and a half thousand in, in, a, in one run mm. in 19 hours. 96k's he ended up running. Yeah. Um, and actually, I'll post I'll post some details and some pictures. By the time people are listening to this, this will be up on our um, Facebook page, Running Matters Podcast. So if you're listening to this and you haven't had a look and you want to look at some details and some photos of Steve, it'll already be on our, our Facebook page, so check it out. He's a, he's a freak. And check out the uh, competition on Steve Redfern to win yourself a box of goose as well. So you've got to plug into... Uh... Facebook, how many Ks Steve's going to get done for the month of February? You've got to have your entry in before the 20th of February. So, yeah, he'll be in the vicinity of, you know, a million kilometres for February, I imagine. It'd be so. hard to guess, but it's going to be more than 95. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he did that yesterday. Mate, he'll run to work tomorrow. He'll run 30 Ks tomorrow. He's just unstoppable. He's unbelievable. Anyway, yeah. well played, Steve. Yeah. So you got it. So if you're going to go in that competition and win a box of goose, which you should, get your entry in before the 20th of Feb, because so you've only got to guess the the week. So look, first of all, look him up on Strava. Follow him on Strava, Stephen Redfern or Steve Redfern, and uh, you can check out his his weekly mileage. That will give you no clues at all because he doesn't even know what he's doing. It's pretty random each isn't it? day. So uh, random. He doesn't. He's the only person at that level that doesn't really follow a program. You know, a lot of people mm. at that level have coaches and all sorts of stuff, but he doesn't even follow a program. Just gets up and runs what he wants to run when he can fit it in, and um, it's pretty impressive. So yep, get your entries in. Win a box of goose is it's pretty easy. Um, yeah. So I've got um, something's just come across my desk. It looks like it's been leaked from somewhere but uh it looks to be some predictions for the six foot track um this must be your predictions wolf that's my handwriting mate yep that's my handwriting that you see there all right and before we go through the list apologies if we've left anyone out 
because well you've probably left 980 people out i guess but yeah these are just the people we know and train with yeah yeah. And if we've left any of the people that we train with <laughs> out, apologies. Okay. I'm going to blame it on filter. Good, good. I reckon Menoyal's not there. Is he running? I don't know. He had a, um, he's had, I was going to say he's got a sore ass, but that sounds weird. Um, I've treated Menai's ass before, actually. That sounds weird. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds real weird. So, um, anyway, I, I don't know. I don't know what the latest latest is with Menai. Oh, he's, well, that's okay. Yeah. You can leave him off. We'll leave him off. I'm, I'm not sure whether he's, he's committed to so doing... So you, you put down your, your winner prediction. Yep. You let, let the listeners know who you think's going to take it out. Yeah, so I think Vlad's going to take it out. Yep. Uh, and I think he's going to take it out in about three hours and 20 minutes. Mm. So for the people that know, know about six foot... This is Vlad Shakhtaroff. Yeah. Yep. Well... If you want to swear, you can swear. I, I don't know how to pronounce his surname, but... If you do. Uh, if you do. Um, so six-foot track, for, for the people that don't know, it's a 45-kilometre trail run from Katoomba to... Where's the finish? Caves House. Caves House. Janolan Caves. Janolan Caves. And uh, it's a fairly hilly run, so we do it every year or you know, thereabouts, and we've got a pretty good group of friends about 10 of us doing it and so we're just sort of guessing the times of we we did it last year we sort of guess it what times people will run oh and, we'll uh, put it out there then eh? yeah we may as well yeah bit of self-indulgence it's Why not, not like we don't do that very often it's anyway it's our strength yeah <laughs> all right I'll, I'll, I'll start with danny tool uh put him down for 445 I reckon he's going to go quicker than 4.45, just yeah. quietly. Yeah, good. I reckon he's going to run 4.30 and break his own record. He's been running strong. He has. Yeah. Thoughts? He seemed like he's sandbagging a little bit there at 4.45. Well, he's a sandbagger. Well, that's true. Um, so, ran with him this morning. He went and did pirate ships when we left. So he's doing extras on top of your session. He went and did Wolfie's quarters yeah, on the well, way home. So yeah, that... look, he's not doing 4.45. He's going quicker than that. All right. Well, um... Hamo. Hamo's next at 4.03. Oh, my God. Painfully close to the sub-4 guy. You don't reckon he's made of the right stuff? I think he's not made of the right stuff. <laughs> Sorry to put words in your mouth, but... <laughs> no. So, um... <clears throat> look, I look. I hope I'm wrong with that prediction. Uh, I'd love to you see. Hope he goes four ten. No, four thirteen. No, I'd love to see Hamo uh, get under four hours. Okay. I, d- I just don't know if he's um, done enough hills. Like, yeah, I just keep bringing it up. I don't know. It's something about the hilly run. What about yourself? Where do you see see him going? Hamo, I, I, look, I actually reckon he'll go four oh five. Yeah. Um, yeah, big jump from his PB to be under four hours. Yeah. So, yeah, I think 405 is about right. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit hours, but... Yeah. Yeah, you got to be running pretty quick to go sub four. Speaking of which, Michelle, the Swiss machine, at 356. Would yep. that be a PB for him? No, I think two years ago he did 356. Last year he did 402. And um, he's in good form, though. Yeah, so... You wouldn't know because he's gone off Strava he's completely. Gone off, he's gone off Strava, so it's a guessing competition. Hmm. So if we weren't already guessing Brendan Davies' time, that would be a good guessing competition. You could just guess where he's going to run every day because 
we don't know. Mm. He's gone AWOL completely. Completely. Mm. Anyway. But you've had a run with him. I haven't had a run with him for months. Yeah, we ran. We ran from his place and had a couple of beers, but I was a bit cagey about asking him how fit he was because I'm not sure that he wants to share that information. Being on Black Ops on Strava. So you ran with him and didn't ask him what time do you think you run? You don't, you didn't, that's that's general no, conversation. I know he's not going to tell me a real number. Yeah. So why bother? We're just talking about his cats. Too cagey. Yeah. Anyway, I think you're right. I reckon you'll go sub four. That's about right. Good luck. Yep. Marty Keys at 3.31. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Top 10 finish? Definitely. Yeah. I think that's, that'll be top five. Top five, you reckon? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. put him in top five. Okay. One place in front of Brendan Davies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm. I reckon that's that's good. 3.31. Yep. Uh, myself at 4.20. Yeah, I reckon that's that'd be pretty awesome. What was your, what's your PB there? Oh, 3.35. So that'd be a big jump, but I don't know. You yeah, put it out there. Put together not? a few hundred weeks. Yeah, look, I'd like to be a 420 guy. That'd be good. It's <laughs> got, got a good sound to it, eh? string a good race together just so I can tell people that's who I am. It's got a good sound to it. 420 guy. Um, who's next? Did you um? Did you jump tall Paul? No, I'm just doing them in random order. <laughs> Didn't want to put myself first. Mm. Yeah, tall Paul at four fifteen. Yeah, you reckon he's going to beat me in about five minutes. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the runs on the board. He's a sub four guy. That guy's a psychopath. Yeah. So he's run. He's run. Um, have you seen what he's been averaging? Like in January, he didn't run a week under a hundred k's in oh, really? all of January. Okay. He ran last week. He did 120. Mm. So he's just putting the he's putting the K's in. Last yes yesterday he did the double bulleye with us. So he ran 42. He ran 42 yesterday. Wow. So um, got up the hill okay. Oh, the first lap he did. <laughs> you know it's a 45k race. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You could come unstuck on the black range. Oh, we, we all could. Anyway, I reckon he's going to do 4.21 and I'm going to beat him on the downhill at the finish line. I love that. I love that sledging. Because you can. <laughs> that's right. Because you can, he's not here. That's right. Yeah. So, no. All right. That's fair enough. Yep. Zulu. Zulu in a flat five hours. Yeah. Or five low, as we like to say. Yeah. In the industry. Yeah. Yeah, I, I reckon he can go five hours. You can do five. Yeah. Just keep the pace right. He's been consistent. Mm. Injury free. He knows how to suffer. Just eating meat and eggs and no carbs in sight, so he's... Anyway, he's lost some weight. Yeah, he's skinny. Yeah. That, that's what that's the take-home message there. Yeah. Pommy Daz at 4.40. I don't know a lot about Pommy Daz's form, but he runs pretty well in the, the handicap race. So, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Nice rod at 4.55. I don't know. I think Nice Rod struggled up the hills in Bright. He might struggle with the pluviometer. And I'm going to say 5.15. Holy shit, you're going to add 20 to that? Yeah. Maybe I was just thinking, because he's nice. Maybe I was just... Nice doesn't mean fast necessarily, though. No, no, but nice. Maybe I'm just... I just want to be courteous to him. No, I want him to succeed too, because he's such a nice guy. Yeah. But 5.15 is a good time. Yeah. Anyway, that's what he's going to do. Yeah. Fair enough. And who else we got? Sarah Tap. Yep. Four twenty-five. Yep. Yeah, I reckon that's bang on. You like that? 
Yeah, she's running strong. She was sandbagging, talking, you know, 435, that sort of stuff, 440s when I ran with her. But I think that's that's bollocks. Mm. She's faster than that. She, she murders the hills, runs quick on the flats. As long as she doesn't so, get out too fast, yeah, she'll have a good race. And it's the first the first time she's done it, so I reckon she'll... Yeah, spot on. Spot on. So that's that's us, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think there's anyone else there. And, you know, if we have missed someone, apologies. Yeah, well, I, I think you're right with Vlad winning the thing. Um, I reckon he'll go closer to the race record, though. I reckon he's had a bit of a recce last year. He won it last year in about 3.18. guess it depends if it's hot or not, but... Um, yeah, I reckon he knows the course a bit better now and he'll probably go a bit faster. Yeah, he might have been doing some more specific training. Yeah, can run that guy. <clears throat> so last year, I think he ran 3.18 last year. Yep. I've said 3.20. Um, Dave Crenidi ran 3.22 last year. Yep. And so Dave Crenidi, if you haven't, if you don't know about him, look him up. He's a, he's a legend, legend runner. But um, we're going to be doing uh, a chat podcast with him shortly. He's got after his London Marathon. Oh, you hooked him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, been in contact with him, and uh, he said he'll come in and chat to us after the London Marathon. So be good to see how he goes over there. Yeah. And um, he's not doing, he's not doing six foot, but we'll be able to chat to him about the London Marathon. Sensational. Maybe we can chat to him about how he towed Hammer up at the Sydney Striders 10k last week as well. <laughs> He's got some pace. Oh, mate, can run. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, he does he does over 200 k's a week. So. so yeah. Bloody hell. Yeah. I'm feeling worse again. Mm. Anyway. I don't think he drives. He he runs everywhere, this Dave Crenady. Yeah, okay. Yeah, amazing. That is impressive. Yeah. Should we get on to, uh, to the interview? Yeah. yeah. Let's, um, let's uh, introduce Eloise. Okay, Eloise, thanks very much for giving up your time today. Welcome. Um, tell us, where'd you grow up and how'd you get into running? I grew up in Grace Point and my mum was a good runner and my uncle as well, Uncle Harry. And they used to go running, they had a running group called the Billy's Bushies and we grew up I, on our street um, and backed onto the National Park, onto all of the Royal National Park trails. So that group used to meet up there and when I was about five um, I used to go up with mum and just run a kilometre and then she'd tell me to run home and so I'd run like two kilometres with the Billy's Bushies at five and started a little athletics and um, was never really that I guess a standout at distance running I just I just loved it I you know I just I tried every event at Little A's and um, but yeah just I fell in love with with running and especially the longer distances but I didn't show heaps of promise until I was kind of in my early teens awesome so it's funny that you mentioned the bushies because our last uh, podcast episode 15 was the bushies the history of the bushies (laughs) so uh, that was a good segue yeah and uh, you also mentioned your uncle Harry which is Harry Ward and he's been on a previous podcast so I interviewed him personally I think it was episode nine great so uh so that's pretty cool so he's a great runner and a great character yeah he uh, is so um so that's good so shout out to Harry um how would you describe yourself what type of person are you Pretty heavy question for yeah, number it is. two, isn't it? <laughs> um, I think that I am. I'm a passionate person. I'm very passionate, obviously, about running and the things that I'm involved with, and 
Um, I'm a little bit of an introvert um, in a way in, in terms of um, people do energise me but then I just need time alone and I think running can give that to me as well. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. I've got another another big one. So I've heard people say that you need to believe in something to have purpose in life. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would I'd agree with that for sure. Um, I feel like... Um, I guess especially with what what we've started in, in Uganda and our foundation, um, that's given running a purpose for me um, and giving my Olympic journey and Olympic dream a purpose and that's it's given me a lot more drive than probably I would have had without it. Um, so, yeah, I'd agree with that statement. Good, good. So you've had an incredible career over the last 20 years. You've been to four Commonwealth Games, two Olympics... Um, but you have had your fair share of injuries. I believe you've had, what, 11 stress fractures in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, consequently, you had to wait 10 years from when you qualified for your first Olympic Games to when you actually um, participated in, in Rio in 2016. So the question is, how would you overcome your injuries and um, how would you manage to uh, you know, deal with the disappointments along the way? Yeah, I was, it was tough. It was tough, you know, um, getting back up each time that I got injured. It was obviously you go through the initial disappointment and discouragement and, you know, almost um, there was times where I wasn't really sure whether I was meant to be doing um, the sport, <laughs> whether, I, you know, I questioned whether I, I was made to run, you know, because I was getting injured so much, but... Um, because I, I still had the desire to do it, I still had this big Olympic goal and I was passionate about it, just seeing how far I could go, um, that kind of thought and um, would yeah get me back on my feet each time and my faith had a lot to do with that as well, my, my faith in God and um, yeah just I guess in a way is not taking myself too seriously and that was really important just to keep things really light and you know that injuries happen to everybody every elite athlete is gets hurt um and you know if it was if it was easy everybody would be at the olympics when did you first have a serious injury sort of stress fracture how long would you i was 16 so it was two weeks after i qualified for the sydney olympics i ran the qualifying time um for the 5k ran um 15 18 and then two weeks later uh, i remember being at the track and just like getting this pain in my hip and I ran on it for about probably another 10 days before I finally mm. just shut things down and, yeah, I had a scan on it and it was a stress fracture in the neck of my femur. Okay. Yep. And that was sort of the first one, um, yeah, that just kicked off this cycle of, um, of stress fracture after stress fracture. I'd, I'd start training again and, um, you know, start looking at some races and, and then get injured again. And essentially that happened for the next probably yeah 12 years Mm. um yeah missing three olympics being measured for three olympic uniforms and then um and then finally um being able to stand on the starting line in in london spectacular um with with your hindsight now i I guess going back to a 16 year old athlete do you think 
there was something that you could have been doing differently to avoid that merry-go-round? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I, I had um, I had an eating disorder and I've been really open about that, especially in the last couple of years. And that, that um, alone is, you know... By mineral density, yeah, just drops. Bone, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I was diagnosed with osteoporosis basically when I was 16 years old. I had the bone density of an 85 year old woman. Mm. And so, trying to run, you know, at 16, I was doing about 70 kilometers a week, but mm. any amount of running um, with a bone density like that is just going to cause it's cracks not, not work, um, no. straight away. No. Um, and so, for me, it was about overcoming that and overcoming that mental health issue first before I could um, really start and open up and actually be an athlete mm. you know I was I was you know barely um, barely fueling myself for just my daily you know the diet. daily needs yeah. of, of being you know breathing mm. um, but then trying to run on top of that yeah. was obviously putting a lot of pressure on my structure and everything so I had to deal with that sort of psychologists and um and and was able to overcome that over over a number of years and then start to work on Mm. um the strength side as well in the gym and um just getting more muscle around my bones and 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 making sure that they're protected and every time you hit the ground the muscle is taking the impact rather than the bone and i think that that's um that's super important i don't think that um, you know, people worry about kids getting into gym work, and it's not exactly they're not lifting like super no. heavy no, weights, but it, it's more about just doing that um, little bit of resistance work to, to help with you know the muscle tone so that you can protect your, your structure. Pull from a little bit, sort yeah. Of stuff. yeah, yeah. So, um, advice to any young athlete, to you know, teenage girls, particularly, have you got anything that you would tell yeah. them? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the obvious one is that if you if you're struggling with that um, with that side, because it is it is quite common in in distance runners, especially female athletes, that um, they will go down that road of thinking like the lighter the better, lighter and, better yeah. um, and the pressure that you put on yourself, and it is very much like an individual sport, so it can be quite isolating. Um, you know, and then on top of that, if you start to go down that road of disordered eating and um, but I think just acknowledging that there's an issue, I think um, there can be a lot of shame that comes with it, but, it, but I think just calling it out and acknowledging that there's an issue and saying, hey, I, I'm struggling with this, I need some help, and, yeah. and getting those people around you that can um, speak truth into the situation... Um, because as I said, like it's a, it's a mental, it starts in your mind and, and really turning those thoughts around and, um, transforming, you know, the negative and the, um, I guess the, the, the destructive thoughts into thoughts of, you know, nourishment and that are going to lead you down a healthy road is, um, is crucial into, to not only getting better, but obviously succeeding in whatever you're trying to do, whether it be sport or, um, you know, just, any other career yeah that's fantastic advice do, do you do any mentoring with yeah yeah i do or? um you know we've just started this program up with athletics australia um in just speaking and mentoring some of the um some of the younger up-and-coming sort of developing female athletes and and we speak at schools as well um rory darkens who's a mental skills coach and a psychology expert he uh, we've teamed up with him and 
um, yeah, we take um, growth mindset um, presentations into into schools, which has been mm, um, really good lately. When you say in the schools, do you talk to or focus on teenage girls? Uh, what schools are you? Uh, we, our, our, I guess our main themes, um, so no, we, we do whole year groups, um, but our main themes are, are vision and resilience. And I do, like I do um, openly share my story and struggle with disordered eating because I know that there's a lot of teenage girls um, that even without sport, I've focused on that, and social media has a lot to do with that as well. Because you know, there's girls that are scrolling through, comparing themselves to others, and that can that can lead down a really destructive road. And so, just making um, young people aware of like the the dangers of thinking a certain way, and, and almost perceiving, um, you know, what's actually not true a lot of the time um what what we see on instagram isn't necessarily true uh, all of the time and so um yeah just making them aware of that and empowering them to make good decisions around that and as i said empowering them to to um get good people around them to encourage them and and build them up in the direction that they want to go in life you're still doing the talks. And yeah. Where, where do you? What schools do you go? Uh, we we've been last year. We went to um, the last few weeks. We've been to Scotts and Caringbah High. Next week we're going to St George um, Christian School, um, Newington. We've been to. Um, yeah, I, I've probably been. I've been speaking at schools for probably the last ten years. But Rory and I have kind of refined. Um, the presentation a lot and and he's come in from a a more science background and kind of backed up I guess my story and um, using examples from my story on a on from a more psychology point of view Um, and that's been that's been awesome so it kind of plays into the um, I guess all the personalities and and Mm. how you listen and how you learn and what you take from a presentation Um, yeah so we've had really great feedback so far. That's great. Yeah. Sounds like it'd be a podcast in itself. Yeah, Rory on. Yeah, it'd be good to chat to Rory. Yeah. Um, so can we go back to the strength stuff with your injuries? Um, how important is it to do strength training, and and how often do you do it, and what sort of exercises are you doing? Yeah. So my strength and conditioning coach is is Jock Campbell, and I've I've been working with Jockey since I had Indy actually, my daughter. So she's almost six now, um, and he basically um we started from scratch uh in terms of I, I started with just body weight exercises and I think it's really important to just you know start there and build a foundation because um, you don't want to get give yourself an injury just by throwing yourself into lifting yeah. really heavy weights yeah. um and doing proper technique as well and he's all about that and um, I just went from there, I guess, you know, just went from strength to strength in terms of um, phasing my um, strength work and, and starting to do power right before um, big races. We do um, plyometrics and, and that also has been proven to help with um, bone density as well. So just, I think, finding a good strength coach um, is imperative as well, just to some, for someone to guide you and make sure you're doing the right technique and... Uh, I, I do, when I'm in full training, I do two lifting sessions a week, so two um, weight sessions, I guess, for about an hour. It takes about an hour to do everything on my program, and then um, on another, at least one other day a week, I'll just do a pure core session for about 30 minutes, yep. um, just focusing all the, on all the little intrinsics and 
um, engaging, engaging glutes and um, yeah, hamstrings and things like that, but they're more sort of floor exercises just on a mat. Yeah, so a lot of our listeners would be um, doing 10K half marathons, marathons, and, yep. and some even doing 100K. Mm-hmm. Would you encourage them to do some floor exercises how often and, and also maybe some strength stuff that they can do at home on the floor? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, with anything like this, you sh- should just start off really easy and, and, and um, you know, hip lifts are like they're my bread and butter mm-hmm. um, sort of exercise yeah. to engage my glutes. So I would do that. I do that before every run. So bridging um, sort of stuff? Yeah, bridging, yeah. Um, double leg or single leg bridging. Yeah. Um, when I'm in the in the weights room, I'm, I'd put a plate weight um, just on my hips and and um, bridge up like that. So that'd be more of your strength and power um, work. But yeah, I think for anyone wanting just to start out, I'd say just try it you know, twice a week, um, but just a really maybe 20 to 30 minutes of, of exercises and core strength exercises. But um, I mean, if, you, if you've never been in the gym or never done anything like that before, you're better off going to someone who knows and can give you a program. Yeah. Even yeah. if it's just a one-off and they show you all the exercises and you're disciplined enough to go away and do it yourself. Yeah. Um, I think it's definitely worth the investment of seeing someone for that first session. And, and getting an individualised program is important too because, you know, we're not all weak in the same areas. Mm. Obviously, everyone's got their own strengths and, and weaknesses and... Mm. Um, yeah, so I think that that's important to get it, have it more specified to who you are and how you're made up and how you run. Yeah, cool. Oh, well, there you go, some good advice there, and that's something that people can do on their days off, um, a bit of floor exercise and, and core strengthening stuff. Come to Goam, your allied health, and get yourself a program. Yeah. Uh, yeah, friend what of a, the show. What a plug. Great. <laughs> okay, so uh, what are you training for? What's what's next? Um, I am going to move up to the marathon. Uh, um, this is my big, big leading. Isn't that like a, an applause thing <laughs> yeah, or something yeah. like that? Where's like the yeah. applause button? Yeah, well, I'm used to running with no no audience or no cheer squad, so <laughs> yeah. it's all good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited about that. I feel like I'm not ruling out, you know, running another Olympics or World Champs or Com Games on the track. Um, again but I, I feel like the marathon for me is a new challenge and um, I'm excited about the new challenge and I've been waiting to get excited about it yep. and been waiting to have the desire because and I did this when I started half marathons as well I, I just you have to have the desire to do it otherwise um, the training's going to be really, really hard yeah. and it's yeah, going to sure. be a grind and I don't want it to be a grind. I want to have fun with it and that's when I'm having fun, I'm relaxed and when I'm relaxed, that's when I'm running well and so, you know, I've, I've almost been biding my time a little bit until I have the real desire and I've been watching the marathons, like the majors, um, you know, on uh, the live stream for the last probably 12 months and yeah, just getting excited about um, mm. the prospect of, of doing my debut and um, you know and building up and seeing seeing what I can do at that distance as well. Um, All right, so let's get into specifics here. So yeah. the Tokyo Olympics Games are next year. Yeah. How do you qualify? How do you get a start there? Um, the qualifying uh, 
the qualifying standard for the Olympics is about 235. They actually haven't released it um, yet, but it's about 235 because that's what it was last time. Um, and just running faster. But, I mean, there's four or five girls that can do that now, so you'd have to be in the first three. It's basically the f- first, the top, top three. three fastest times. Under 235, um, sorry. Yeah. 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 So... If... Hey. if I don't think that they would that the selectors would select you if you had run slower than thirty five. If you were thirty five speed, yeah, well. yeah, okay. So, um, what you have you got your eye on an event to do this? Or? Uh not yet, not yet. Not that she's telling you. No, we're genuinely we're we're still um, yeah we're still talking about which one would be the best for me and, and um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're not giving away too much, are you? No, I mean, because I, I don't know. Okay. I genuinely. You haven't decided? Um, no, I'd love to do my first one in Japan or yeah. at home. Yeah. So yeah. have you done a marathon before and have you done some in training to fill the, fill the water? So no. The furthest long run I've done is has been 33K. Hmm. Um, and it's a long run. It's, it hasn't even been at pace. I think the, we finished the last um, 10K at three. 45 or 350 pace but it's you know marathon running is probably more like 335 mm, yeah but you've started training for specifically for marathon now yeah, i've started the build up yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah. that's exciting yeah who's who's coaching you nick Bideau. Yep. yeah yeah so he's been my coach um he took over when i was about 18 and he was he was managing me before that um from when i was 16 so yeah we've had a long long partnership and it's worked really well he lives in melbourne um and but we we chat a lot uh over phone and text and um and yeah it's Mm. been it's been a really um i guess successful in terms of how many times i've been injured as well he's always been um yeah he's always had my back and encouraged me to keep going and um yeah so looking forward to that next season as well so that's a long uh, working relationship what what's what do you like particularly about Nick over other coaches um he he's quite a blunt guy <laughs> <laughs> and he so he 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 doesn't beat around the bush and he'll he'll tell you what you need rather than what you want and I appreciate that I'm I just want to get better mm. as a runner yeah. and I just want to know what that's going to take. And um, I've got enough people in my life to fill up my pocket and encourage me and, and give me that nurturing. Yeah. Um, but I think in a coach, for me, it's really worked um, to have him go, that was good, and this is, this is what we need to do now because I, I think that you can do better than that. Yeah. Um, bit of tough yeah. love yeah yeah um so yeah i think it's been good cool hey um you do you compete mostly in 5k and 10k when you're representing the country yep do you have a preferred distance out of the two and why uh it's you know it just depends on the race like the the, the 10k in rio was unbelievable um and I didn't think that I was... I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did. Um, but, yeah, that was 
probably one of my well, the, my favorite race of all like that I've run in my career just because I I felt like I was in the zone and in a flow and so but then I've run other 10ks where I'm like oh, I hate this event <laughs> so I, I actually think it's more about the individualized how was the experience um I actually I prefer training for 10k better I feel like my body responds to the longer stuff which is makes me more confident about the marathon um and the 5k is a lot more anaerobic work more work in spikes it's just it's it's you really walking the line of injury for me now like 36 years old it's 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 hard to get in spikes it's hard to run you know like reps um like shorter reps on the track without getting super sore just a lot of threshold um yeah, so the 10K is more more thresholds, more pickup runs. So we do a pickup run that's that's a half marathon distance, but we start out easy for the first um, 20 minutes. So it's a jogging pace, and then we pick up the pace, and then the last 10K or 8K would be at um, it would be at race pace, yep. be sort of three three twenty. Yeah, or faster if you, if we can. Yeah, right. So suffer towards the end. Definitely suffer towards the end. Yeah. Hey, uh, hey, um, I've got a listener question here from Stu Rennie. <laughs> he actually just texted in last night. Yeah. So um, he said, "Do you have any rituals to calm your nerves before big races?" Uh, rituals. No, not really. I just. Um, I kind of just focus on being in the moment and, and not focus on what the result or the outcome might be. You know, you know you've done all the work or you've worked as hard as you can up until that point mm-hmm. and you can't control anything but what you're doing. At in, the time. Yeah, just at that time. And, yeah, and I think that that just keeps me grounded and in a good headspace. And, I mean, that's what I've done every time I've run well. I've... I've I've made a real... I've been intentional about what I've been thinking about. Mm. And if you don't do that, the, the pressure and the nerves can, can overcome you and become you know, detrimental to the result and start thinking about, you know, what if I can't? What if, what if I stuff this up? What, you know, I really want to do this, but am I fit enough? All of the questions and all of the doubting starts to come in. But if you just focus on what you're doing in this moment so like I'm in the call room and I'm tying my shoelaces and I'm going to do that with excellence (laughs) because you don't want your shoelaces come undone in the race I could could use some lessons (laughs) that's my biggest downfall so good Rory is it two knots or three what do you practice it's two really tight and then I tuck the laces in so they're not Flapping, flapping, flapping around everywhere. That's the key. Yeah, that's the, the key. The tuck. Yeah, yes. the tuck. Missing the tuck. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. That's why you're not <laughs> on the That's, 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 that's the last piece in the puzzle. Yeah. The tuck. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> All right. Um, Stu asked another question. He wants to know what's your memorable, most memorable race and why. Um. Yeah. Pro- I mean, both Olympics were unbelievable. London was London my first Olympics was probably the one I I most vividly remember Um, it was just such an emotional moment walking to the starting line for the 10k just 
I just had was getting all these flashbacks, and this at this time I wasn't I wasn't living in the moment. I was really just I was thinking about how hard I'd worked to get to this point, and um, it was yeah, but it was beautiful. It was it was kind of something that had to I had to go through and um, process in that time, and um, yeah, we got we were standing in the starting line. I could see my family up in the stand and um, all waving their flags and. Yeah, it was just, it had been 19 years of um, struggle and, you know, getting up again and fighting and, you know, um, having them encourage me to keep going. And so, yeah, that was, that was probably one of the most special moments of my career. And then, yeah, obviously Rio was a lot more business-like and just getting out there. We, we took a lot of risks in training. Um, London, I cut my cut my mileage right back because I was we were we were just trying to preserve get to the starting line this time. But then four years later in Rio, I just said to Nick, I just really want to see what I can do here, mm. and I'm not afraid of getting hurt. And you know, I'm an Olympian now. Nothing's going to take that away, and I've done that and been through it. And like, let's just go for it. And thankfully it paid off and you know I was able to obviously get to the starting line mm. but more than that I was actually able to you know pour it out and run a PB and certainly perform um, yeah, yeah and, and perform at the top level um, how I knew I could it's a great moment I reckon the yeah. London stuff that's that's amazing to have yeah. those thoughts going through your head yeah, yeah. Um, I've got some uh, questions about altitude actually to change topic yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously you don't spend all your time running around the Sutherland Shire. You spend a bit of time at altitude. Um, how, how long do you spend there through a year? Yeah, probably, um, I mean, Falls Creek is anywhere between sort of 10 days to, to I think last year we, we did a, a trip for about four and a half weeks. Um, and if anything, I mean, Falls Creek is not that high. It's, it's, it's a mile high. Um, you do you do actually feel the effects if you're running up a hill at pace, mm. like you start to breathe heavier and um, but more than that it's it's about just being away from any distractions and getting really good rest in between training and that's what makes the, the camp I guess quality and um, and that's I think why you come down so refreshed and, and mm. fit. Um, the, I think the altitude does, uh, especially after a month, it does um, change you physiologically and change mm. your blood. Um, but, yeah, 10 days, it probably doesn't make that much of a difference But um, physiologically. But in terms of, like, getting refreshed and just being away just to focus on training is mm. amazing. And, and Johnny and Indy generally come with me most times as well, and it's just nice to be away as a family. And yeah. There's hardly anyone up there in summer, like yeah. on the mountain. There's there's runners and hikers, and um, you know, you, in a, in a, any given day, you might see two or three other people that you don't know. Mm. Um, if you go outside or down to the shops, yeah. There's so, no one around. There's no one around. Do you, do you run with anyone else, or? Yeah, well, um, you know, Nick's our whole group, Melbourne Track Club, um, generally go up there, and we try and get a. You know, if I'm going up there, we try and get. A few other girls to go up and, and train together and um, in January is the main camp um, I guess for runners all around Australia to kind of go up on the mountain and that starts on Boxing Day 
um, and that goes for about 10 days and there's lots of juniors up there so that's great there's probably two or three hundred people um, there can be up to two or three hundred people on a on a run wow. um, and that goes for about t- 10 days and then towards the end of January it's just the, I guess the full-time athletes up there mm, cool I love the uh, building noise in the background. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's just my husband on the saw. No, <laughs> impressive. <laughs> He's got more skills than me. Yeah. What about um, outside of Falls Creek? Do you do much overseas? Yeah, like... so um, I love to go to St. Moritz in Switzerland. Mm. It's just stunning. And you, there's lots of, um, with the trails, you can get flat or um, hilly trails. So you've got mm. a mix of both. Um, if you want to do tempo runs around the lake, it's nice and flat, and they sweep the trails like they're yeah, groomed. Yeah. Wow. Like it's not true trail running; it's kind of <laughs> like quite, running on a track. Nice style, no rocks yeah. to trip over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can run with your eyes closed, honestly. Oh, it's amazing. Or <laughs> without your glasses. Yeah. Um, so that's where I, we like going in in Europe, and then in um, America, we usually go to Mount Laguna. It's a um, remote area in the national park uh, about 40 minutes out of san diego mm-hmm. and so it's super basic there we stay in like scout cabins and yeah. um yeah it's there's hardly anyone there as, as well but it's just we spent a month there before the rio olympics and um that was just a good time for us to really hone in on training and focus and um yeah and that was a great camp too because you know, there wasn't too many injuries. I don't think there was one serious injury from 10 of us going to the Olympics. So, um, yeah, all remained healthy and we had a physio there and Nick was there. And, Sounds yeah. amazing. Mm, yeah. Do a month up there, I reckon. Yeah. 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 Um, can I take you back to uh, the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games last year? Yeah. There was an act there where um, you <coughs> waited for the last lady to finish the race. Mm-hmm. Um we call that an act of sportswomanship. Um, and that's, you know, considered a memorable part of the Games. You must be really proud of that moment. I guess at the time you were just thinking it's just etiquette to, to wait. Yeah. Wait and um, yeah, yeah, I was thinking that. I was really touched by the response of, and the public response especially and um, surprised by it and, and completely moved by it. And... You know, it's just one of those things that in the moment, yeah, you do, um, and yeah, it becomes a, a special moment for other people too. And um, I got to catch up with Linneo, um, the athlete from Lesotho in the village, and um, she was really moved by it as well. And because I was, I was a bit worried about, um, you know, when everyone was making a big deal about it, I was a bit worried about whether. Um, it was pouring salt on a on a wound yeah, of her yeah. not um, performing as well as she'd hoped, and yeah. Um, but yeah, she she was really grateful that we waited for her, and um, and yeah, that was really special. I guess it brought um, something good out of a disappointing result for me too. Like I was I was really gutted about how I performed, and. Um, and was really hoping for more, um, for more from that race. And um, but I think it helped me actually mentally respond and recover because I still had to run the five k, and I was able to put in a really good performance there and something that I could be proud of. And um, yeah, so it was 
Yeah, it was an interesting game. It definitely didn't go how I thought I would it would performance-wise, but, um, yeah, it, it really does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to fly. Yeah, exactly. You, you just hope that, you know, things are going to work out the way you visualise them and then they don't, but other things come up and things that people remember. Um, yeah, that was really special. Yeah. So any advice to pass on to the listeners where they can share some goodwill because most of the listeners are, are runners or mountain bike riders or, you know, they're out there doing just training every day. Yeah. What, how can they can pass on some goodwill? Any, any advice there? Um, Whether it's training or racing? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, for our... In terms of, like, having a reason to run or giving yourself an extra purpose to to train um, and to race would be, um, you know, I'd love to have, um, you know, any listeners come and run for our Love Mercy Foundation and, um, and raise money for, you know people that are suffering in, in Uganda and um, help empower them to be all that they can be and I think um, you know we have a few we have a, a couple of marathon runners um, that are raising money for Love Mercy and Uganda and um, yeah people have just mentioned to me that it's it's given them a sense of a, a greater sense of purpose of, of running a race and raising money and um, and doing that way gives them I guess the the will to keep going when it's um, when it's really hard. So how do they do that? How do they? Get um, yeah, you can go to lovemercyfoundation.org and you can just go and set up a profile and it, it's really self-explanatory on the website and we've made it really simple for people to go and um, I guess represent Love Mercy and and get I guess involved in in the community and engaged um, through whatever you're doing, whatever sport or event you're about to do. Cool. I've seen people out in the Love Mercy singlets and yeah. T-shirts. and Yeah. They're, they're doing you can it. also run the Sutherland yeah. to surf as well. Yeah. It's one of our biggest fundraisers of the year. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, this year we're, we're raising money to drill wells in Uganda, in northern Uganda, and, um, yeah, it's exciting. Awesome. We're going to talk more about your, your foundation soon. Do you have um, a particular event? Do you host your own event? Uh, no, we don't host our own. We've, we've generally just piggybacked on the on the Sutherland to surf because um, it's you know we want we want to support the local race as well and um, yeah so that's been that's been really good the last few years yeah oh, very good look I've got another listener question <laughs> and it's from Pat Mosley and it says uh, what are some good race techniques after sorry what are some good recovery techniques after a race okay uh, I like ice bathing. Um, Do you like ice bathing or does it work? <laughs> okay, no, I don't like ice bathing. <laughs> I hate ice bathing. Um, but I do it because it works for me. Um, and I actually really think that it, it, it adds to your mental strength yeah. to whether, whether you think that it works or not. It, it doesn't, it doesn't um, hamper you physically um and so but if anything to it um it really adds to your mental strength and and that feeling of being really uncomfortable for a certain amount of time and being able to control that and having to control your breathing and having to control what you're thinking about it's exactly what we feel in a race when we start to feel pain it's like what how am I going to respond am I going to get out of the bath 
Am I going to stop running? You know, am yeah. I going to quit and pull out? And I think it's just another way to build your mental resilience. Um, but then physio- physiologically, I believe it helps with um, decreasing inflammation. And um, it, I just feel like my legs feel better and refreshed after I get out of the bath. And, um, yeah, I wear compression tights um, just to increase the blood flow. I'd put those on straight after the ice bath, take magnesium, um, have ubiquinol as well it's a reduced form of coenzyme q10 um works on a cellular level to get help me get the most out of food um and then sleep sleep is if i don't get at least eight hours um you know i i feel it in training um so yeah just being mindful of how much sleep you're getting and you know, if you know that you've got to be out or working late or whatever, is is a workout the next day the best time to do it? And being flexible enough to change it around because you've, there's other other things in life other than um, just the sport. But you know, if it's really something that you want, you've got to be prepared to make um, sacrifices and discipline yourself to get to get enough sleep. Okay, I'm all about the specifics with the ice bath. Yeah. How do I organise that? Do I pick up a bag of ice on the way home? Five kilos. Five kilo you can bag. Get two, Don't get a three. You get can a five. get two for five dollars yeah. from the um, Woolaware um, um, petrol station. Yeah, uh, that's very specific. Yeah, it's very specific. Uh, lady's name's Carol. She'll help you out. Good. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, you can. And then so yeah, just throw that in to a, like a shallow bath, like of not much water. You'd start, you should see the ice on the top. Yeah, but how long? How long are we in? For? Twelve minutes. I go in for twelve minutes. Mm. Oh my god, my eyes are yeah. watering thinking yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. So twelve minutes in. Twelve minutes. You're out. The, the hardest part that. is the first three minutes, anyway. Yeah. Really, you go numb after that. Once you're in, it's okay. You go numb. <laughs> so after, do you only do twelve minutes? You're not going back in. That's it. No, 12 it's twelve minutes. Just twelve yeah. minutes. Yeah, I've done. Cool. You know, you've played around with hot and colds before, but you know, yeah. not everyone's got two baths, do they? Like, yeah. <laughs> within close proximity of each other. But yeah, I, when we're at um, the Olympics or Com Games, and they've got all of those, you know, um, contrast baths yeah. set up, you you would just use them because they're set up. But otherwise, it's just ice. Um, if I if I was had the choice to have a hot bath or a co- an ice bath, I would have an ice ice bath for, for recovery. Cool. 12 minutes. That's quite the benchmark. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to do that tonight? No, but <laughs> in, in future I will. You've got plenty of time to do 12 minutes. I've got, I've got time to do it, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I don't have a real job. But I don't know if I could do more than two, to be honest. Have you read any of the Wim Hof method stuff? No. Associated with the cold? No, emotions? but I've heard all of it, about it. Yeah, yeah. okay. Because there's, yeah. there's plenty of physiological reasons to do that, like to, to yeah. be cold. So apart from the psychology, I think there's a lot to it. Mm-hmm. So you're not just doing it for fun. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> not fun. No, it's not fun. I know. No, I, did, I did it recently and I know I can't stay in longer than two minutes. Two. Yeah. Okay. But I got some. I got some work to do. Yeah. A heart the size of a tic tac. Yeah. Yeah. Well. yeah. You yeah. wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, you Both wouldn't expect someone just to not n- never because you do build up a resilience to it as well. Like you. Thank you. You um, 
if you haven't done it, I know that when I've had breaks, like two weeks off training or two weeks off hard running and, it's, you know, it's Christmas time or whatever, you're not having ice baths. And then I go back, you know, 1st of January, like right like the ice bath is much harder than it was before I had that break because I haven't been doing it. So your body adapts and your skin adapts to feeling the cold. Um, It's like watching people get in the surf in the middle of winter in the swimming pools down at the ocean. How do they do it? Yeah. Yeah. They've been doing it for years and they're just used to the cold. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And they're mental. But (laughs) (laughs) But they've adapted to it, yes, and and also they're mental. Yeah. My yeah. mum and dad do it. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. they're part of the problem. No, fine, they're metal. Yeah, they're metal. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the Love Mercy Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> that was you're, you're the co-founder and that was set up uh, to assist communities in northern Uganda um, because of poverty caused by war. Mm-hmm. Uh, you set that up with Julius Agcon in 2010. Mm-hmm. So rather than tell us how it was founded, can you share with the listeners sort of three focus areas of the foundation, including the Sense for Seeds, yep. uh, the Christina Health Centre and the Maternity Project? Yeah, sure. So um, Sense for Seeds is our um, farming loan program that we run primarily with women. So how it works is that th- a $30 donation will give a loan of seeds to a woman in northern Uganda. And with that loan, um, she chooses the crop, whether it be rice or beans or sesame, and she receives education from our trained agriculturalists on how to get the most from her harvest. Um, and then at the end of the season, from one loan, a woman generally harvests around 100 to 150, up to 300 kilograms of food. Um, and then with that food, she can sell it at the marketplace, use that money to send her children to school um, and buy other household items, use it for emergency medical um, it's, it's really it's empowering them to break their own cycle of poverty um, and create their own livelihood through farming. Um, and so it's, it's really taking away the older model of sponsoring individual children. And even though that is um, a real necessity where there's an orphan situation, but when there's a family, empowering the entire family to create their own livelihood is having a massive impact in, in entire communities. Um, so we're excited about Sense for Seas. We're running it with 13,800 women this year. Wow. We started with 100 women in, in 2009. Um, and at the end of the season, um, I forgot to mention, is that the woman hands back the loan so that we can pass it on to another woman in the next season. Um, the Christina Health Centre, uh, we're planning on building a, adding to that and building a maternity ward, um, which is a huge need in the area. We currently have a, a temporary maternity space where our midwives are delivering a baby a day, um, but we don't have anywhere where there's um, room or um, expertise, I guess, for more complicated births. So anything, um, anything that is more... Uh, Anyone that needs an emergency caesarean um, needs to be referred to the the government hospital, which is an hour and a half away. So they would get in our ambulance and go an hour and a half to the government hospital to have an emergency caesarean, um, which is yeah, it's a it's a long way. Uh, and so we we really want to have the equipment and be fully um, equipped to deal with those um, those more complicated births and and be able to predict when they are going to be more complicated with things like ultrasound and 
um, and deal with um, premature births as well, having humidic cribs and um, and things like that. So that's our goal this year is to build a build a fully equipped um, and staffed maternity ward next to the health centre that we already um, run. And then the last thing is that we have started drilling wells um, just in the last 12 months. Um, we've partnered with Water for Africa, which is an organisation that was working primarily in Tanzania. Um, and, yeah, we've started um, raising money to drill wells. People were um, walking up to 10 kilometres a day to, um, to gather water, but um, contaminated water, water from swamps, um, not water, not clean water from a well. And so um, we identified about 10 uh, different areas last year that um, would that needed a well. Um, and yeah, we raised a bunch of money, $7,000 per well. Um, and loads of our community, our Love Mercy community got behind it. And it's what we encourage people when they're doing events to, to run for as well. Um, the Sutherland to Surf will, this year will be all about um, raising money for more wells um, and we've identified another 10 this year in those, those communities in northern Uganda that's, um, yeah, that's in need of, of clean water and it's making a huge difference to, to the well-being of people and, and, and people aren't getting um, ill as much, mm. especially from obviously waterborne diseases. Terrific. So how do people, how do the listeners get involved um, with the with donations. Yeah, um, you can, as I said before, you can run an event for Love Mercy. We would love that and raise money that way. Um, you can um, donate yourself, become one of a you know become one of our change makers. Um, and it's thirty dollars, or it's a thirty dollar donation, or thirty dollars a month, or another specified amount per month. Um, just being part of part of that ongoing um, giving community, uh, you can come on the trip in November. We take a trip, we take a team over to Uganda in November and check out our projects uh, each November. Julius has a big cross country running day with school kids um, in November, and it's a huge event. the The first prize is a mattress, second prize is <laughs> a um, bed sheets, and then third prize is blank a blanket. And, um, yeah, the, there's races for each age group and we go over and support him in that and um, on that day. And then we go and visit some of our Sense for Seeds women, visit the wells and the, the maternity um, space and the, the health clinic, and then we go on a safari. So it's a, it's a great African adventure and we run every morning um, at sunrise. You don't have to run. If you're not a runner, you don't have to run. Um, but, you know, the non-runners like to get out for a walk because it's just stunning. The scenery is stunning. It's, it's rural Uganda and it's, um, yeah, the red dirt is, is beautiful. And, um, yeah, we have, we have a great time. What is yeah. No. Long no, trip to Uganda. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, so let's do it. Is is there if, if the listeners are interested in that, can they contact the? Is there information on the website? Yeah, or? there's information on the website. You can just um, email us through the website and just say, hey, I'm interested um, in the trip uh, in November, and can you send me some more information about that? We'll just shoot you all the details so far. Um, that we've organised and, and give you a little bit more info about, um, yeah, about the trip coming up. It's amazing. Great projects. That's, 
Yeah, I'm inspired. Fantastic. And there's um, there's other things. You've got an online shop as well, and you got you've got gift cards. You've got uh, shopping bags. You've got jewelry. You've got all sorts of things yeah. that people can buy gifts and and as, from as little as five dollars. So mm-hmm. if people don't have a lot of money to spend, they can buy, they can purchase something small. Totally. Yeah, and five dollars will, will save someone. Will treat someone with malaria. Yeah. And so that's how much you know five dollars can do. You yeah. Know, you can actually save a life from yeah. someone. Um, suffering with malaria so you know we take no amount of money um, you know we, we we celebrate every donation um, big or small yeah and I saw um, you can buy a bag of seeds for $30 a census seeds program yep. so as you discussed that they could do one family set up one family for $30 mm-hmm. so yep. uh, that would be a great contribution as well yeah so this is a good opportunity to talk about um, winning this week's prize which is a box of goo and so what we're going to do, and I'll put it on our Facebook page, um, Running Matters Podcast, <laughs> is that uh, the first person that makes a donation or purchases something from your shop wins a box of goo. So um, tell us what you purchased and, um, and we'll, we'll organise a box of goo for you just to encourage people to, to get involved. How does that sound? Great. Thank you. Cool. be awesome. So, look, you've contributed a lot. You've done a lot over your career. What are you most proud of? Uh, what am I most proud of? Um, that, I don't know. That, that's a really good question. Uh, I don't know how to answer it. Um, probably probably raising my little girl to go to school this week. <laughs> so first, first yeah, week? Yeah, first week this week. Yeah, right. Did, yeah. Where, where is she at school? She's at Cronulla. Cronulla. Yeah. Had my little daughter start school this week yeah. at Grace Point Public School. Oh, so good. That's and where I, I went. I saw Eloise Poppet up on the uh, oh, yeah. up on the notice board representing <laughs> Australia. So oh, it's a great school. There you go. It's a great little school. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's just something about you know being proud as a parent that you've you know you kept your child, you know, gotten them ready for school, and um, yeah, that's exciting for us. But I mean, probably for me in my athletic career, probably um, getting to the Olympics finally, um, as I spoke about before, was just an amazing moment, and um, yeah, just getting through those years of of real struggle and not not. And, and doubt and not really being sure whether I was meant to be doing it and just getting back on the horse again and getting started and trying to just focus on the process and you know not the outcome and it was just a yeah it was it was a continual lesson of just trusting the process and and trusting God that 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 that, that was what I was meant to be doing that um, he had put the desire, the Olympic dream, the Olympic desire in my heart from the beginning as a 10-year-old watching the Barcelona Olympics on TV and just becoming obsessed with reaching the pinnacle of my sport. Yeah, which you've done. It's pretty incredible. Mm. Can you share with us a funny experience that you haven't spoken to other people about? Oh, it's a good one. Um, so I... We we yes we were at um, we were in America and we were travelling down from our base in La- Mount Laguna to try and qualify for the Olympics um, for London actually and uh, we had three other athletes in the back seat Johnny was driving 
and uh, we had a rental car and I had to do a, a radio interview with ABC and it was it was going to be pre-recorded so I wasn't going to be live which was all fine and so I was in in the front just on the phone doing this interview um, and a car in front of us just stopped because another car in front of them swerved into, into them. And anyway, we were basically in a, in a car accident, in a, a pile-up. And um, during the interview, I just had to say, oh, I'm really sorry, I, I've got to go. I, we've just I had a car accident and just shut the phone call down straight away. And um, anyways, they... Everyone was fine. Um, there was no problem. The car was a bit banged up. But then about half an hour later, they, they recorded what we had um, said in the interview. And um, and then the the lady on the radio said, oh, we had to cut, like announced to everybody that we had to cut the, the interview short because Eloise was in a car accident. And my mum and dad were listening to the interview and obviously they started to freak yeah, out. You always think worst case yeah, scenario. Yeah, and, um, and so mum tried to call me and then could, I wasn't answering my phone, we are just working out what to do and um, and then, yeah, she called the radio station and she was just hysterical and was just like, what is going on? Is she okay? And they were like, well, we don't really know. She seemed okay. And <laughs> so anyways, it was, it was all fine. Mum texted me and I called her straight away and um, put her fears at ease. But, yeah, that was an interesting car trip on the way to try and qualify for, for the Olympics. But, um, yeah, it's just things like that that you have to, I guess, you have to just be, you have to just roll with and, you know, all of us still ran really well and um, the the next evening um, yeah and you just have to we talked about the fact that we just have to put it behind us and you know it was kind of scary obviously um, everyone was a bit shaken up but yeah you just had to put it behind you and focus on what we were there to do and yeah very good. That's a good story. Mum's still not over it, though. <laughs> she, hasn't, she hasn't listened to the ABC since. <laughs> no, just just yeah. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's, it's been great. Look, I think we're getting close to wrapping up. Where, if people want to follow your progress uh, to take you out, <coughs> and hopefully we'll be watching you competing in the marathon mm. next year. Yeah. Where, where, where do they find you? What are your uh, socials? I'm at Elsie Wellings. Um, that's my Instagram handle. I don't get on Facebook too much. I, I don't know why I feel like I've only got the headspace for one social media yeah. but um yeah instagram is probably where you'd find me most but um on facebook every now and then it's just obviously my name and um yeah elsie wellings cool well yeah thank you very much for giving up your time and, and sharing your journey it's been a it's been a great great story oh, and thanks for yeah, having me yeah no i think it's been valuable so um yeah, we'll guess. Uh, did you have anything to add? No, 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 just being inspirational. Thank you for chatting with us. Thanks, been great. guys. Hopefully, uh, my daughter can look up at that little honor board and follow in those footsteps. Yeah. So, fantastic. Yeah, great. Awesome. All right, we'll see you out running soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you.